0: So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week, To give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. You are in for a treat today. I'm super excited to introduce today's host, Dr. Nina Polinay. She sits with me on the Wondermind Advisory Board, and she is California-based, like I am. Uh, We're both Tupac. And (laughs) West Coast. Um, She's a licensed clinical psychologist and business consultant. She's inhabited many professional roles, such as a clinical professor, author, and speaker. And she helps her community by highlighting and translating the relationship between emotional, physical, and spiritual wellness in order to explore and discover our most authentic, empowering selves. Additionally, she is a couple therapist, expert, and enjoys helping individuals create mindful, healthy, and playful playful connection. I think we need more play in our lives for sure. Her intention is to break down important wellness topics while mixing it up with her vivacious personality and spirited humor. Dr. Nina can be found on Instagram at D-R-N-I-N-A-P-O-L-Y-N-E. And uh, she may be spitting something on her own or she may be bringing on a guest. Either way, you're going to love her. There is so much wisdom in not only what she says, but also I love how she presents herself. Enjoy.
1: What's up everybody? It's your girl, Dr. Nina, and welcome to today's episode on how to stop apologizing in order to protect your damn peace and live your life with purpose. I could not be more excited to welcome my very dear friend, Dr. Jessica, to help me explore this topic. We go way back in our Motown Philly days, which we will share more about later. She holds many prestigious roles. She is a licensed clinical psychologist and esteemed faculty psychologist at NYU Langone Health. She's also a host on Dr. Radio on Sirius XM, media contributor and business consultant. I might have missed something because she's always exploring new ways to express herself creatively and to help inspire us to live our best authentic life. Dr. Jessica has an incredible sense of humor. That has to be one of my favorite things about her. When we're hanging out, I know we're going to laugh. It's also important to have people in your life who advocate for you and support you. And I can say without a doubt that she is one of the most incredible people. She is consistently gassing me up and encouraging me to go after my dreams. And I wish everyone had a friend like her. I'm very grateful. So, what's up, Dr. Jessica?
2: Welcome to the Single on Purpose podcast. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Of course, Dr. Nina. What an honor to be here with you, to be on your show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here, exactly like you said. I'm a clinical psychologist in New York City, and I really value helping people just utilize the resources and the strengths that they have in their life to live their best life, as cliche as that sounds. I also love working with teams and companies to help them enhance their corporate health or organizational health, and really just maximize their potential all within their value system. And it's such a passion of mine. I like working clinically. I love doing media. And um, I am so excited to talk to you because this is gonna be so I'm fun. so excited for you to be here.
1: Um, I'm curious, like, what is your like food of choice? Like, What is a food that you could not live without? Pad thai.
2: Love pat Thai. Oh, I don't think I can ever do, but I love Thai food. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I at least have that once a week, I feel like. Same. Oh my gosh, same. So good. So good. So good. So <laughs> um, so I was trying to like think back about how we met and how our friendship began. And I'm curious
2: what your story is. And then of course I'm gonna share mine. So Dr. Nina and I did our clinical psychology pre-doctoral internship together, which is basically like our version of residency. And Dr. Nina, we did it together at the Philadelphia VA Medical Center. And we there was a cohort of six of us, and you and I sat on sort of opposite sides of the bullpen, but I think always had our eye on each other, just like keeping an eye out for each other. And for all the listeners, Dr. Nina was just aces. She was always hustling. She was always working so hard. She knew what to pay attention to and also what fluff to not pay attention to. And she just maintained this level of grace and social etiquette and just everything that was so incredible. And I think I was like low-key, I really want to be friends with Dr. Nina, but I, I don't know if I'm cool enough. And so... I just, I was like, I'm, I'm not gonna give up on this friendship. And the funny thing is Dr. Nina was working so hard on so many of her own projects including her dissertation and things like that. And we just didn't quite have the time to hang out as much as we wanted to during the year, but we already loved each other and that love grew after internship. And that's where our soul sistership really flourished. Um, and here we are today and just, yeah.
1: Thank you you so much for those beautiful words and I felt the same about you. I felt like, you know, when we're on internship, uh, for those of you who haven't been through it, it's like you're working like in a pressure cooker Mm -hmm. almost. And so it's like a very stressful time. And I think those are the times where you make the closest friends because you have like that shared experience and, you know, sometimes when you're stressed, even just like the worst comes out in you. So it's like, if you can survive that with a friend, you could survive everything. And I felt the same about you, that you had so much grace. We were both very on top of our game and there was just a mutual respect there. And I knew that there was maybe just a sense of comfort with being your friend, because I knew that even if we like were in a round table and we disagreed about something, we did it with such compassion for each other. And like, we would always leave those big boardroom meetings, like linking arm in arm and like laughing together. And, you know, I think that just is like a true tell of like a very uh, wonderful friendship that you can always support each other, but also you can have your different identities and perspectives. And you are definitely someone who thinks about like cultural background and identity and making sure that everyone sort of feels seen and known. And so it was kind of nice at the end of the internship that like, once my dissertation was over and you had, you know, flown away to New York, you know, we were able to still keep in touch and actually grow, like you said, a soul sistership. ship. And, um, you know, I always loved coming to visit you out in New York when I was still in Philly. And, you know, although we're bi-coastal at this point, like we've like maintain such a beautiful friendship and, uh, became closer over the years. So I'm just so grateful for you. And, um, I think that we've really, uh, created a friendship where we inspire each other, which I think is the best kind of friendship. So yeah, I'm just grateful
2: that we met. Oh my gosh. Me too. Probably one of the most important relationships I have in my life. Not probably. Oh, me too.
1: Me, 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 me too. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, okay.
1: So what is your most Current, current, current creative outlet. So I know that like you are a person who likes to spread your wings when it comes to creativity. So um, I'm curious, like what are you into like right now?
2: Ooh, um, quite a few things. So I, like you mentioned, I'm a co-host on Dr. Radio on Sirius XM. And so I do a lot of radio and that's been really fun. And it gives me the opportunity to talk to a lot of really interesting people and, tell all kinds of different stories and of course that extends to podcasts like right here with you. And I think on top of that you know we, together we are advisors for Wondermind and that's so fun because we get to share all kinds of pieces of information and creative outlets and things like that. So that's really exciting. I have a couple of other projects in the works as well. I really like creating tools so tangible tools for people to be able to utilize in their own lives on sort of a day-to-day basis so, I have some worksheets and some little workbooks that are going to be coming out for a variety of different things that people can use. And I'm really open to also taking whatever the community needs and seeing how I can serve and fill that need. So I'm excited to see what I can do more of. I think that's the thing that you and I have in common. Well, there's like thousands of them, but one of them is that we both love to grow and we like to expand and we like to use our skill set in creative ways. And so... I'm excited to see what what else is out there.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm always excited to see what you come out with. And it's always gold, like, every time. And I like what you're sharing just around, like, um, seeing what the need is in your community and making sure that you can provide uh, something that can be of service. And I think that's such a big part of our life purpose work is to find either, like, you know, communities that we can serve or uh, ideas stuff that comes up for us that just breaks our heart. And then how can we help, um, kind of resolve whatever that need is. And so, um, I love that you're speaking to that because I think it's so important. And, um, you know, you're, you're so, you, you shared so beautifully, all the things that you're becoming like creative with these days. For me, it's my nail polish, Dr. Jessica. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Wait,
2: I love so that. for me,
1: like, I think that like every Sunday, it's like a fun way for me to express myself creatively is to like line up all my nail polish and try to figure out, okay, what color is going to light me up this week and then decide from there. So right now you can see them, they're green. Um, but like every week, it's just a nice way of like expressing myself. And so that's what I've been into. Not really lately. I think that I've always done it since I was a kid, but I think that it's just a fun way to express yourself either by either by like, Your nail polish, your clothing, or um, just little unique ways that we can express our individuality. So that's me. Um, Let's go into productivity because you are the productivity boss. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something that you are definitely an expert on. You are somebody that I go to, to ask these types of questions about how do I become more productive? How do I get more focused during the day? And you have this down and on lock. So, I'm curious as we kind of go into like the spring equinox, a lot of people are thinking about how to clear their space, how to be more productive at work now that the fires underneath us in this airy season. Um so I'm curious, what are some tips or one tip that you can share with the listeners on what they can do to increase productivity?
2: Oh my gosh, I have so many, but how do I keep this short? What I would say, <laughs> there's like I could talk about this for hours as you know. Um is to figure out what your primary problem area is and then to break that down to the smallest tangible goals as possible. So really, really tiny. So maybe that means that your closet is out of hand. Maybe that means you're procrastinating on work uh, work projects too much. Um, Maybe it means that you're having a really hard time attending things on time and you wanna work on that. Um, So figuring out what the primary thing is and why it's important to change that behavior. So really capturing what your why is and why you want to change that. Um, One of my favorite tips is to think about procrastination and why we're procrastinating. And oftentimes, I think the thing that people come to is they think that they're just lazy. And we know that usually it's not laziness. It's overwhelm. It's um, not knowing where to start. It's feeling like there's a disconnect between your value system and the thing that you need to do. And so I would say really to hone in on why you're procrastinating, actually pinned on the top of my Twitter page is a series of questions that you can ask yourself if you're procrastinating. And it basically sort of covers, are you overwhelmed? Do you not know where to start? Are you feeling anxious, et cetera? And that can really help you figure out how you want to overcome that procrastination, which is usually one of the biggest obstacles to getting things done. So I would start there.
1: I love that. And that is a tweet that I go back to over and over because it is such an incredible piece of information that you can kind of get some direction on. How do I focus my attention and also like how to take the label out of it? Like I love what you're sharing, Dr. Jessica, around like this does not mean you're lazy when you're not accomplishing your goal or you're not moving fast enough, or you feel like you are procrastinating. It doesn't mean that you're lazy. So I like that you're bringing that up. And I think that's important, especially right now, because we have all of this sort of emotional overwhelm. There's so much going on in our world socially for folks. And um, I think that can leave us kind of feeling like, why am I feeling a lack of motivation here, um, but there's so many reasons why. And so I like that there's some direction there on your page and your Twitter page that people can go back to. So thank you for sharing. Um, so I ha- my next question for you is about being a multi-hyphenate. Like you are a person who has, you really have taken your career into just not one focus, but you've like you expressed already today, you've decided to become more creative with what you do and um, finding the pieces of your uh, journey that sort of light you up and you focus on those. Um, and I'm wondering what that's been like for you in terms of like even how it affects your energy level or even just how did you decide to live your life this way because most people just, you know, they choose one career and they just stick to that one thing and they do one thing every day. But you've really made an effort to uh, focus your attention on different areas of your, you know, career and you've really kind of lit
2: up different paths within your journey. So can you tell me more about that? Yeah, of course. So, you know, what's so interesting is that you know me, Dr. Anita, I, I'm very goals-oriented, um, as are you, and this is something we you know, mm-hmm. talk to each other about a lot. And when I was younger, I would say in grad school, I had a pretty clear path of what I wanted my career to look like. And I had the, th- the three-year mark goal and the five-year and the 10-year. And then slowly, other opportunities started to come my way that I never expected would happen. Different types of certifications that I wasn't necessarily pursuing, but that I thought were awesome different types of media opportunities. And what I realized is that there's a level of flexibility that can be really empowering. And as someone who was honestly quite type A for such a long time and so goal-oriented, I realized that there was something really freeing about making space for a new opportunity and saying yes to things that you didn't expect would be possible because there are so many things out there. And I had really cool opportunities thrown my way that I actually had to turn down because I had to figure out how I could actually balance the various different things that I wanted to do. And that's a pretty cool thing to be able to do is to sort of look at what your strengths are and to figure out how can I utilize those and maximize those in a way that serves multiple different domains or capacities as possible. So for instance, I love doing clinical work because I like being able to help people on a therapeutic level. And I also like doing media because it allows me the opportunity to talk to people and tell their stories in a different way. I also like consulting because it really, I think, uh, utilizes a lot of my productivity and sort of executive function skill set. And so I'm able to sort of take the different skills that I have and apply them in a different way. And for me, that fills my cup up because I know that I'm actually being sourced by multiple places of energy. And that for me is exciting. And I find that if I have different things that I can do sort of simultaneously without having my hand in too many different pots, right, that actually drives me to be more excited, to be more passionate, and also to grow and expand a lot more. And I think that dynamic nature of it is, is really important and also just provides me opportunities that I would have never expected. And so that's, that's pretty cool.
1: Beautifully said. And I like that piece that you're sharing around taking space. Um, I think so many of us are what you described as like, you know, hustle culture, setting goals, being really regimented and like rigid about the goals. And, um, I think that doesn't really leave us the opportunity to, let go and see what comes to us. And I think that's really incredible that you made that shift for yourself and all these wonderful opportunities came up for you that allowed you to shine ways and use so many different kinds of strengths. And so if you're listening out there and you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, wow, like I have this strength in this one area, but I've never really like massaged that muscle. Think about a way that you can do it. Even if you do have a 40 hour a week job, um, how can you, um, you know, paint for one hour a week uh, or on the weekend? And maybe it's not At first, for money, but if you're really passionate about it, you may start to find opportunities where you can generate some income from the other jobs that you're really passionate about. Um, And so I like that how you shifted and you described how you shifted into that mindset, Dr. Jessica. I think that's really helpful.
2: Totally. Dr. Nina, I'm curious about you actually, because you are in the same position too, where you are employing so many different skill sets of yours and you're actually operating on so many different roles as well. What was that like for you? That's a great question. So I think for me, um,
1: I, always knew that i was more than one thing and i even remember you and i having conversations about this when we trained together where we were like okay we love clinical work but what are some other things that we might want to like uh sort of strive for in our life and we would daydream and i i would say that i'm like a true optimist and i love to daydream and think about like okay what would my life look like if i did this or that and so i think once i believed I could do it. And I think that comes from a lot of like my own inner work on my self-worth and also through seeing it done by other friends. And so I think you've been a great inspiration for me just kind of seeing you shine in different areas. And I have a lot of friends that are doing that now where they're kind of taking their career and becoming more multi-hyphenate with it. And so I think it was two things. It's like sort of working on yourself and, uh, the confidence to jump off the cliff and do scary, crazy things, um, which excites me so much. And then on the other side, seeing it done by other people and having a supportive community around me has been really helpful. Um, and so I think that helps me to kind of expand my circle, like for you, like similar to me, like doing business consulting or media work, or, um, even just joining different professional groups where I'm not paid to do it, but it's just a lot of fun to meet up with other professionals. Professionals kind of doing what we're doing, maybe they're in a totally different career path, but it's just cool to hear people's journeys and how, uh, you don't have to be just one thing. Um, and so I think my goal still to this day is to do more singing and well, not on this podcast, at least not today, but, um, <laughs> I sing in my shower right now for all the listeners who are worried about me, I sing in my shower, I'm good, but I would love to integrate more
2: of like music into like something professional. Good singer. I've also always said Uh, that she's going to be the next Oprah. So just keep your eyes peeled.
1: Yeah. You know what, Oprah, watch out because (laughs) I'm coming for you. And, um, you know what Oprah and I can exist together because she is so incredible. And, uh, yeah, I look up to her so much. Uh, okay. So thank you for the compliments, Dr. Jessica. We are going to jump into the episode today we are in the body of the episode which is all about apologizing so um you know many of us are going through this uh if you're listening you probably you know will identify with this just this idea that like we feel the need sometimes to apologize for everything almost to the point where we're apologizing for existing and so today dr jessica and i are going to cover What are some ways that we can tame the apologizing a little bit? And also, when are some times that we should be apologizing or it could be helpful to apologize in order to maintain healthy relationships? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, And I'm so excited to have Dr. Jessica here with me today because she is obviously incredible and we're going to have a great discussion around it. Um, So let's jump in. So Dr. Jessica, I think my first question for you is let's just top it off with like, what when is it helpful to apologize when do you think it is sort of like okay this is a time where i can apologize and it's okay to do so
2: i think that when something that you have done or something that you have said has some sort of implication or consequence like a meaningful consequence on the other person even if it's without intention that's when I think it's appropriate to apologize. And so when there's something that you've done, again, either with intention or without intention, that in some way, shape, or form has maybe brought on some unwanted consequence or a potential consequence to the other person, that's when I think it's useful to apologize. And I think in a moment, we'll probably talk more about what an actual meaningful consequence is because sometimes it's perceived and it's not actually there. But I would say that's where it is appropriate and warranted to apologize. Yeah. I love that because, you know, it's all about
1: being authentic and really, um, I guess, identifying and being okay with like saying you're sorry when you have sort of, I don't know how to say it, more like you've dismissed someone, you've criticized someone, or maybe you're being judgmental or inconsiderate and those are the times where we do want to recognize someone else's feelings and say that we're sorry and those are beautiful moments because when we apologize it gives the other person just sort of like they could take a breath and say to themselves okay let me think about my part in this relationship and it kind of allows them to um be vulnerable with us as well. And so that other person might say, you know what, looking back, there's a part of this story that like I can take responsibility for as well. And so I think that softening is really helpful for relationships. So thank you, Dr. Jessica. And now we're going to talk about when it's not helpful to apologize, which is like for many of us who are people pleasers or uh, we just have learned, it's sort of like a learned response for many of us. And so when is it I guess my question for you, Dr. Jessica is like, when, I guess maybe what keeps us in the rhythm of over apologizing? Like what, what do you
2: think it is that makes us want to over apologize? I think there's a couple of things. I think one is like you just said, people pleasing. So when Mm -hmm. we're worried that the way in which we're behaving is in some way, shape, or form going to ruffle some feathers with the other person, even if it's a completely legitimate way to behave or to respond. Um, And I think for a lot of us, our actions are totally warranted, but we're still terrified that we're going to hurt the other person or that they're going to leave or that it's going to sabotage the relationship. Or even something as quote-unquote simple, this is obviously not simple, but quote-unquote simple as it's going to temporarily or permanently change the way that they perceive us. And in that circumstance, that obviously can be so scary for someone to consider that. And so they might be really tempted to apologize for something that they don't need to. So I think people-pleasing is one of them. Um, And I think that relates potentially to anxiety as well. So feeling like there is something that you've done wrong, even if you haven't, and you're worried about what the consequences might be if you don't, take accountability. And I think that gets back to you know, when it's appropriate to apologize is when you want to take accountability for your actions. The problem is that we're usually taking accountability for something that we don't need to be taking accountability for. So I think that's yeah. another one. I think those are great
1: points because exactly like you said, it's like, there's a little people pleaser in all of us, I think, and no one is totally like remiss from it. And, um, I like what you're sharing that sometimes our anxiety can fuel the, this over apologizing and, you know, we're, we're so nervous that of how the other person is going to view us or, uh, maybe it's fear of like rejection or Mm -hmm. abandonment. And so I'm going to keep this relationship by staying small, um, mm-hmm. which is sometimes what we feel like we need to do. And so I love that you highlighted that piece because um I think a l- there's a little bit in all of us like that we just want to maintain relationships because I was even thinking from like a broader view about uh our need for social support, community. Mm-hmm. And um I had done an episode with Dr. Carissa about loneliness. And um I don't know, just even in this moment I'm thinking back to that around like you know we need social connection in order to function mm-hmm. um it is so important for our mental health our physical health and well-being the longevity of our life and so it's probably hard for a lot of people to like weigh the pros and cons it's like we need community we need friends but we also want to be authentic in those friendships and we don't want to be apologizing all the time so um yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that? Cause I think that's probably like what a lot of people are grappling with. Like we want relationships, but, and we're trying to keep them. Um, and so I think that's like why a lot of people are not as authentic.
2: Yeah. That actually makes me think of this concept that I hear all the time clinically and also just personally, like, you know, we've talked about it and, you know, our friends have talked about it too, where, you know, there's this sort of like stereotype of like the chill girl or like the cool girl. And this applies obviously Mm -hmm. for any gender identity. Um, But this idea, you see it a lot in like dating, you'll see it a lot in friendships where someone is nervous that their authentic self is going to be too much for the other person or that it's going to be, you know, more than the other person wants to deal with. And so they'll try and be super easygoing. I'm going to be super breezy, right? The issue is the breeziness is usually a cover-up of some anxiety or some worry or some hurt or disappointment or shame or whatever it might be. And by you being breezy or trying to be that, quote-unquote, cool, chill girl, all you're doing is you're stuffing that down in order to please the other person. You're prioritizing their own experience, their own feelings, et cetera. And I feel like apologizing fits into that picture. Where Mm -hmm. if you're apologizing, you're trying to be easygoing, right? And you're trying to show the other person that you're going to succumb or attend to whatever they need. And you're going to take responsibility or accountability for things really quickly. And it gives them a little bit of a free pass or a little bit more space to feel the way they want to feel and maybe do whatever they want to do. And that's not healthy necessarily because you shut yourself down. Right, I think that's such a great
1: point that you're raising because, you know, even as you're talking I was thinking if we're the cool person and um we think everything is great, everything's cool, what are we doing long term? Like yes, in the short term that might feel good because you have some control of the situation, you have like this bond that you're sustaining with this person, but over time at some point you it's a pressure cooker so at some point you're just going to feel so much resentment and either the friendship or relationship might end or you just may never feel really that seen in your relationships. And that's all we want in in our social support is to feel seen and heard and loved for exactly who we are. And so if we're not authentic in those relationships, that can be really hard. And so I like that you're bringing up that point because short-term that might feel okay, but long-term, like you said, it may not be very healthy at all.
2: And I think there's another consequence to it too, is I think, especially if you're continuously apologizing in a continuous relationship, meaning like it's not a one-off with your barista or your um, the person at the bodega or whatever it might be, or your neighbor, but instead it's like someone who has a continuous relationship in your life. The issue is that if you continuously apologize for things that you don't need to apologize for, You're essentially training the other person to think that you're the problem or that you're the one who needs to continuously take responsibility. And you're implanting that idea or that pattern in them and in your relationship with them, which then even further sets you back from where you started. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of creates and ingrains the cycle. Mm -hmm.
1: And yeah, as you're talking, I was thinking like, that's devastating Mm -hmm. to feel like you're just taking a step back. And, um, you know, if you're listening and you feel like you've experienced this before, again, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. However, this is we're help, this is hopefully helpful for us to understand what's the rationale, because there's a reason why we do the things that we do. And then we're going to talk about some healthy tips to kind of help you you know, change course a little bit. And as you're talking, I was also thinking about just sort of like the social conditioning that um, some of us have experienced throughout our life, where, you know, if you are, uh, if you identify as a woman, if you are, you know, uh, a person of color, an LGBTQ population, um, you may have been conditioned from an early age to apologize or even just apologize again, like we were saying for existing um, because our identities weren't really sort of like uh, honored from the time we were born. And what we're seeing even in the media is like not really, uh, our identities are not being honored or, sh- or shared in a way that we feel empowered. And so if you're listening out there and you're saying, well, these are, you know, I'm apologizing, but here are the reasons why, like we hear you, we see you. Um, and it's much harder for us, even if we think about You know, being in a business meeting with uh, a bunch of people who are of the majority population, um, it may be really hard to speak up and say, um, you know, share your thoughts without apology, or um, we may feel really nervous to um, be more assertive. And so we definitely wanted to uh, identify and validate that as well. I think we've covered all the reasons why people apologize. I'm sure there's more if you're listening out there, DM us and let us know, be part of the conversation. Uh, Dr. Jessica, is
2: there anything else you think we should cover here? I think one last thing that I would just quickly put put in, even though this is a really big topic, but I just want to name it and I'm sure you would want to name it as well is past experiences. So if you've been like in a past abusive relationship or you grew up in a household that wasn't safe for you, you might have been trained to apologize for things that you don't need to. So we know that past patterns can predict obviously our current happenings. So I'd, I'd say that's another one to kind of keep an eye out for.
1: I love that you named that. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, if you're listening and you've had that experience, um, it, like you were saying, Dr. Jessica, it can be just really hard to, to trust yourself and um, even if you're in a new environment. And so uh, talking with a therapist or exploring some of that can be really helpful um, in a safe space like therapy. So um, thank you for bringing that up. That's very, very important. Um, okay. So Dr. Jessica, let's cover a few situations that come to mind where it would be helpful to stop apologizing. The first is asking for clarification. So sometimes we ask for clarification or we ask a question, but we start with, I'm so sorry to bother you or, um, I'm sorry that I even have to ask this or sorry if I missed this. I've even like, as I'm talking, I'm laughing because I've definitely said that in meetings before. Sorry if I missed this, but can you explain that again? Um, So what are your thoughts on this piece of asking for clarification? And for most of us, we tend to apologize first.
2: So I think the reason that we oftentimes apologize in this circumstance is that we are afraid that we're creating a burden for the other person when in fact you might not at all be creating a burden or maybe it's within the bounds of that meeting or that relationship to ask for clarification. So I would take a step back and sort of ask yourself, am I doing anything unreasonable by asking for clarification? And the answer is most likely no, I am not doing anything unreasonable. So what I would instead do is plug in gratitude, appropriate gratitude, like don't overthink to overcompensate for the apology but express gratitude of some sort to replace the over-apology. So instead of saying, I'm so sorry to bother you, you can say something like, I'd really appreciate if you can make a clarification on that. Thank you so much. Period. Mm. Full stop. I like that because at the end of the day,
1: sharing gratitude to anyone, it just makes us feel good. And so the other person feels good. And also you don't feel like you're making yourself small in order to ask this question, Mm -hmm. um, which is key. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Um, When we think about, this one is an important one. So delayed responses to emails, messages, and texts. So a lot of times we will start our emails with, I'm so sorry, it took me a week to answer you or, oh, I've been so busy. Maybe we explained the reasons we were busy. Um, So what's
2: your feedback on this one? I am literally guilty of this from this morning. (laughs) So, do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) See, like we are obviously even prone to it. Um, Yeah. Ooh, good one. What would I tell myself five hours ago? Um, I would, what I would do is you can kind of, it it depends, I think it depends on the relationship. It also depends on the ask. This is one situation in which I think they're, can occasionally be circumstances in which an apology apology is warranted. Like if you have legitimately kept someone from something past a deadline that they've needed something time sensitive, maybe an apology is appropriate. But again, maybe it's not, right? So this is where you want to be really, really critical with yourself and say, am I just doing it because this is what I'm conditioned to do? And in which case I would say, take a step away from the apology. And in which case you can say, again, this is where I think gratitude really comes in. You can say, Thank you so much for your patience in uh, waiting for my response. Here is whatever the ask is, or the deliverable, or whatever. You don't have to over explain where you were. Um, you don't have to apologize again. Um, you can say thanks for waiting. Here it is.
1: That's incredible. I, I again, I'm very guilty of this too, <laughs> and I just kind of think through even in my past experiences there is an expectation I put on myself sometimes in my past work experiences around the timing that it took for me to respond to emails. So I was really, um, on top of it. Like I wouldn't leave my work. when I worked in a hospital setting, I wouldn't leave work until all my, my emails were answered. And no one asked me to be that fast with my emails. And I even remember like, triple checking the wording of my email to make sure it sounded okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, even as I'm talking about it, I just like cringe because I mean, I love that part of myself that did that, but it was just like so hard, you know, and so anxiety provoking and left me feeling so stressed, burnt out and overwhelmed. And I think we set expectations for how people will treat us. So I think people just expected that I was going to email them back right away. And it created this like vicious cycle. Whereas I had some coworkers that like, they wouldn't respond back for three weeks. And that was just sort of always the expectation. So at some point, I don't even think I was really that mad about it. I was like, oh, that person's just slow with emails. I know that they'll get back to me when they can. Um, So I just take a lot of accountability myself for just holding myself to such high standards when, um, especially now we're post-pandemic, like we are deciding how we want to um, live our life and I'm trying to think of the word right now, but like with agency, you know what I mean? And so at this point, you just have to choose, like, do you want to live a life of hustle culture, which I know you're very passionate about, and I'd love to hear your feedback about that, or do we just want to be human and respond when we feel we have the time to respond and just knowing that we have a life outside of our work and we have, uh, you know relationships, families, and really important stuff going on. And so um, hopefully that other person will on this receiving end will understand it. And if they don't, that's on them. But I'm curious from your perspective, like how does hustle culture play into this whole, like needing to respond right away with messages, texts, and all of that?
2: I'm so glad that you asked me this question. I honestly think we could probably do a whole nother podcast episode about this. hundred <laughs> percent. The brief is that i I think I've been changing the way that I think about hustle culture, and this is actually something that I'm really really, really intentional about trying to talk about more. and I'd like to actually reach out to people on a much broader scale to sort of talk about this in critical ways. I'm very much about hustle culture. And at the same time, I think something that I really took a a hard look at in my own life during the pandemic is how to ensure that that hustle culture didn't eat into the other values of my life. So sort of Mm. not seeing the hustle culture as its only singular value, but that it is something that is important to my life. It's important for me to grow. It's important for me to succeed. It's important for me to do. And at the same time, it is not necessarily any more important than other things. If anything, family and friends and health are more important. And so how can I make sure that I balance that? And if at any point I feel like that hustle culture is eating at some of the other values, exactly like you're saying, if sitting and responding to emails is going to take me away from having a FaceTime with Dr. Nina, hell no, not doing it, right? No, no. Right? That's the most important thing. (laughs) And I, exactly. That's the most important thing. And I think maybe just like a little tidbit that people can think about, maybe you can chew on this and this might be helpful for you in your life is to think about the difference between actual urgency versus perceived urgency. I think the issue in that hustle culture, and this is true, I live in New York city, right? Like this is especially true here culturally and regionally is that we perceive urgency when it's not actually there. Or we excel urgency to something that is of higher urgency than it actually is. And so if you can train yourself to separate actual urgency versus perceived urgency, that can take so much pressure off of that hustle culture and give you a little bit more space to breathe and live the rest of your life.
1: Mic drop moment, so (laughs) I have nothing else to say about that. Let's full stop. Let's move on. That was brilliant. Um, so what about changing our opinion or perspective? So sometimes we share our perspective and maybe even the next day we decide we want to feel differently. And so
2: what is your advice or feedback about that? Yeah, totally. Yes. Change your mind. I think that as long as it's coming from a place of intention and that it's values-based. And that it's not impulsive that is meaningful and when i say not impulsive sometimes it's reactionary right like if you've had something harmful done to you you might have a quick reaction to change your mind in which case that's obviously an appropriate time to quickly change your mind Um, but i think as long as you're thinking critically about your decisions as best as possible and being intentional about those changes absolutely we are growing human beings that are dynamic and fluid and should change our minds at appropriate times and I think as long as you can figure out what your North star is and how do those changes direct you in the position of your North star, that's meaningful. Because obviously you don't want to like be super flip floppy either, because that's going to make it hard for you to find your sense of identity. But as long as right. you're decently anchored, right? We think of a buoy in the ocean, right? It's anchored, but it moves. Mm.
1: Right. I, even as you're talking, I was thinking about my own like relationships. All my close friends come from very different backgrounds, culturally, ethnicity, everything. And I think that's been such an eye-opening experience for me. And like even for our friendship, we come from very different backgrounds. And so it's really nice for me to uh, shift my perspective and like open myself up to learn new information, and like you were saying, it doesn 't change my identity and who I am at the core of my being, but yeah, sometimes I do shift my perspective based on what i 'm hearing in terms of my friends and their own unique experiences that they have in the world. so I love the buoy concept too, like I love a good metaphor, so that was awesome thank you um so the next one is we are talking about being passionate about your life purpose and prioritizing your goals. So why shouldn't we apologize for being passionate? It kind of sounds you know, obvious, but I'd still love to hear your perspective on this one.
2: Passion drives us, right? And I think it gets back to what you were saying earlier about not apologizing for taking up space. I think passion and the sort of zest for life and the zest for goals and values is a part of that space that you take up. And so just by doing the math, you wouldn't want to apologize for that because that's, that's part of who you are, right? It's part of the fiber of your being. And just because your passion, your, your intentions conflict with the other ones or someone else's, it doesn't mean that you inherently have to be held responsible for that conflict or that discrepancy, right? It might be appropriate to sort of talk it through or understand or whatever it might be, but in and of yourself, your passion is meaningful as long as it's not harming anyone. Right. And if you're in your life's passion work, You
1: are lighting up the world and you're so magnetic and you're going to, the right people are going to come into your life because you are pursuing your passions and your dreams. And so, um, don't worry if some people fall off, like those people weren't meant to stay in your circle. Um, the right people will see you light up the world and they're going to want to be a part of it. They're going to want to support you. Um, and they're also going to be doing their own thing too. They're going to be inspired to light up their own path and they're there's room for everyone. Um, So brilliant. Um, So the last piece is placing your need above your needs above others. Um, So this is what we're talking specifically about. Like if you are an independent adult, we're not talking about, you know, kids or elders or anything like that, but why is it important for us to place our needs above others and not apologize for it?
2: We simply can't function otherwise. I think if we are always apologizing, then we're always going to have a hard time taking our decisions and our needs seriously. And that's ultimately, Mm -hmm. I think what it comes down to is we want to take our needs seriously. And Mm -hmm. if we apologize for them, essentially what we're doing is we're questioning their authenticity or questioning their legitimacy. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously not helpful because it's not going to allow you to sort of feed into your truest intentions and whatever it is that you need to function in this world. I think what's challenging is when two people each have legitimate needs that are in conflict, like maybe in a relationship or in a family or in a working professional relationship. In which case I think both, both people in that equation will need to attend to either of their own needs. That's where it gets a little Mm -hmm. bit challenging is how to sort of reconcile conflicting needs. But I think you in and of yourself as a human shouldn't apologize for your own needs because they're valuable, they're meaningful.
1: 100%. And I like that you mentioned just around relationships, having a conversation about it is so important. And um, if you don't feel like you have the skills to have that conversation, just say that like, hey, I'm nervous to have this conversation. I'm not really sure how to share it, but like, here are some of my needs and this is kind of what I wanna prioritize right now for me How does that feel for you? And like, what needs do you want to prioritize? And so um, just starting by maybe sharing that you're nervous to have the conversation, again, really softens both of the speaker and the listener to really bond over it, because I'm sure that other person has something that they want to prioritize as well. And I was also kind of thinking about like how we talked about the beginning of the episode around uh, abandoning our own needs or giving our power away. That's a part of this over apologizing. Um, and by you prioritizing your needs and your goals, that is inherently going to make you less apologetic. Anyway, I feel like it's sort of like a, a, a little feedback loop.
2: Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I think that's a great point. It is.
1: Yeah. And I don't know the research on it, so don't quote me on it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um,
1: Okay. So let's talk about how might a person overcome barriers to living their life without apology. So of course, Dr. Jessica, you gave us a lot of wonderful skills today on how to not over-apologize and some of the reasons why we feel like we need to, which are very valid. Um, but what if we're trying to not apologize and we still notice our self apologizing? Um, what is one step that we might want to s- take in order to live an authentic
2: life i would start small so for instance start with the ones that feel inconsequential right like let's say you're walking through the door at the restaurant or the coffee shop or your apartment building and you and the other person you're coming in and the other person's leaving and naturally you're about to butt ways and you say oh i'm so sorry right I'm using this as an example because this happens to me all the time. And I always feel naturally inclined to apologize when neither one of us actually did wrong. We just, it's physics, right? Like we almost bumped into each other. Right. Start by some of those fairly inconsequential moments that don't feel quite as intimidating to let go of the apology. Because I think for a lot of people, that's the hard part, right? Is like letting go of this reflex to apologize. So start with small ways that don't feel like they're actually going to change a relationship in any way. And also that don't feel like you're losing any sense of meaning or value or anything like that. And if you're not sure where that's happening, try and take inventory, right? Like jot down some notes in your phone as you're going throughout your day, pay pay attention to whatever moments you happen to do this frequently at, and just like make some observations, track some records Mm -hmm. and some patterns and see what happens. Start with the small ones. I love that. Just the starting small is so
1: important because um, we really almost feel like the goal is too far away or the goalpost is like so far in the distance that we can't reach it. And so I like that idea of just kind of starting small and tracking and just noticing what's happening for you. And like you said, over time, we're really retraining the brain to do something different. Like our brain is very flexible. So, uh, you know, the more that we learn not to over-apologize, the better that we get at it. So get, if you're listening, give yourself some compassion that, you know, we're not perfect beings, not, nor will we ever be. But if we could take one small step, like Dr. Jessica said, in the right direction, we will be on fire. Um, and you're already on fire, right? This is an empowering podcast. You're already on fire. We're just going to add a little more fuel to the flame. Um, so, For all the perpetual people pleasers out there, the goal is to empower you to live your life, protect your peace from these energy vampires. And remember that everyone is doing the best they can. So we can be compassionate to ourselves, compassionate to others. And a way to be compassionate to ourselves is to show up authentically without apology. So the right people will stick around. So as you see with my friendship with Dr. Jessica, the right people will stick around, right? We set boundaries with each other all the time and we still show up for each other. So um, the right people will stay around. They'll respect you and your boundaries and they'll always cheer you on as I shared at the beginning of the episode today. Um, So I'd love for us, if you have any final words or
2: anything that you wanna share, Dr. Jessica, or just where people can find you. Yeah. Well, I would say I love I love this idea of finding your authentic truth and separating, you know, your reflexes from the ones that are valuable and the ones that aren't. And, you know, just do your best, right? Like life is hard and whatever little pieces you can to make changes, I think those are the meaningful ones that you start small. Just do little things that are small with grace and self-compassion. Um, and you'll find your way. We all are. It's a, it's a, it's a lifelong journey.
1: <laughs> it is
2: a lifelong
1: journey. Um, thank you
2: so much. And where can people find you on social or website? Totally. So you can find me on my website, drjessicabstern.com, drjessicab, B as in boy, stern.com. And you can also find me on Instagram. My handle is at drjessicabstern and also on Twitter, same handle.
1: Wonderful. And you can find me, Dr. Nina, at Dr. Nina Polinay on Instagram. I'll also place our contact information in the show notes so that you have it. Um, Thank you all for listening. Remember, this is not therapy or medical advice, but we hope you found a gem or two for yourself or for a loved one. So remember, live your life and no more random apologies. Thank you, Dr. Jessica, for this enlightening and energizing episode. Of
2: course. Thank you, Dr. Nina.
0: I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story, and you can just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. Hey, before you go, I want to invite you to the Single On Purpose private community online. It's off of social media, no ads, no algorithms. We got forums, we got live groups, we got webinars, and we have social hangs. We also have offline in-person hangs happening soon. So check us out. Go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. And I will see you inside.